contrary to what everybody has ever told you, good relationships are easy. The relationships take work thing that everybody's told you, bad relationships take a lot of work. Good relationships are fundamentally easy. Think of all the good relationships you have in your life. Think of the seamless, effortless, fun, nurturing relationships that you have. Your marriage should be 90% easy and 10% negotiable. If your relationship is too much work, go find yourself another relationship. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, let me jump on in and get to the topic of today. All right, uh, you know, we talk about overcoming adversity because we want to help other people in life to be successful and to move forward and know that life is worth living and, in this case, worth dating. Hey, we're going to be talking about a dating expert. It's going to help us get an idea. He said that uh, he was once a penniless screenwriter who made up a thriving career in his 30s. He teaches and tells his kids how much he has failed because he wants them to be young, uh, resilient adults. As a dating coach for smart, successful women who struggle to find love, persevering over their adversity to have a better relationship, we're going to bring on the show and get this topic going now. Welcome to the show, Evan Mark Katz. Thanks for having me, James. Glad to be here. Hey, thank you again for sharing your time and your valuable uh, insight on the dating field here. And uh, we all, we got, I mean, people have been together 50 years. They can still learn something about dating each other. And so, uh, you know, it's not just for the newcomers and for the 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 bad luck Joes. Even the, the good people can still learn something here. The, not the good people, but the good living relationship can still learn something. I would hope so. I think um, if you're a lifelong learner, uh, you're, you're in a much better position than if you think that you're, you're done. So, uh, Actually, uh, I'm in a wheelchair. I got my neck broke playing football, and uh, I have a, a van with a lift to get in. And a friend of mine has got a friend that they've got their elderly parents, and they needed some help getting to their doctor's office. And both of them are in a wheelchair, the elderly one of them was 90 and the other one was, I think one was 94 and the woman was 87, 88, 89, something like that. And they'd been married, I think, 75 years. And boy, I bet you they could give a little lesson on some dating relationships, I bet you. I've been married for 13 years and uh, I'm always learning still. So uh, what I try to do, what I like doing is being able to pass on what I have learned, what works, what doesn't, and uh, hope, pe- hope people can make better relationship choices and have better communication skills. There we go. And again, we can, I don't care how good you are, you can still learn uh, if you're open-minded and want to. All right, Evan, let's go ahead and get started here. Well, what, uh, what, what got you into this dating relationship? Well, uh, um, I, as you said at the, the top of the show, uh, I, I came to Hollywood when I was 24 years old to become a screenwriter. And um, 
Uh, if you know anything about Hollywood, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a pretty sexy career. There's a reason that everybody from all over the world comes here to try to make it in movies and television. It's extremely uh, competitive. And uh, I was, you know, I, I, I was fortunate. I had all the advantages in, in, in the world. Um, but when I was 24, I was just pushing a mail cart around a talent agency in Beverly Hills, wearing a suit for $15,000 a year and hoping anybody would read my screenplays. And so um, I wrote, I think, 15 sitcoms, 12 screenplays. I was prolif prolific. I couldn't say if I was great, but I was prolific. And I got an agent and I got a manager and I had meetings at studios and networks. I won contests, Warner Brothers Writers Workshop. There was something called Project Greenlight, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, maybe 20 years ago, 7,500 scripts I finished in the top three. So I did as much as you could possibly do without making any money. <laughs> oh, there you go. I've been there. Been there. <clears throat> so, so it was one of those things where, you know, again, if you're, if you're, if you're a, a football player, and imagine being all state in high school, getting a college scholarship and just realizing you're not going to make it in the pros. That's what it was like for me is to go as far as you can possibly go without actually making a living at it. So now I'm a Duke graduate, 30 years old, and I've got nothing to show for my life. Like it's just a big empty goose egg. My friends are doctors and lawyers. They're taking golfing trips in Scotland and I am eating ramen noodles and answering phones in a boiler room just to keep a roof over my head. And so it was, uh, it was, it was weird that my, my life had amounted to nothing. And I didn't even have a resume because I never had a job. I never had a real job. So I couldn't even get hired to do anything. So I figured I'd go to film school, become a professor, teach screenwriting. And while I was in film school, I got a job answering phones at an online dating company in Beverly Hills. And while I was there, People would call to say, hey, you lost my password. Where's my photo? You know, 19, uh -huh. 2001, early years of online dating. And I was using the dating sites and I would give them help. Just ask, you know, provide customer service beyond here's your missing password. Hey, I noticed you haven't logged in in a couple of weeks. I noticed your emails are really short. Your profile doesn't say that much. And I would just offer free counsel. And people loved it. And I was like the employee of the month for like four straight months. And I realized, then I realized I should write a book about this. And so it's what writers do when they write. I, you know, I never had any limits on what I thought I could do. I just had no success. So while I'm in film school, I'm writing a book about online dating. And the book comes out three months before I graduate. And it does great. It's the first thing that ever worked in my entire <laughs> adult life is that I had a book that came out called I Can't Believe I'm Buying This Book, a Common Sense Guide to Successful Internet Dating. And this is in 2003, 2004. And the book gets well-reviewed in Time Magazine. And then suddenly I'm on CNN. And then suddenly I'm in USA Today. And I'm the same guy who couldn't sell a screenplay a couple months ago. And so I dropped down to film school and started to write people's online dating profiles. And that became a news story because no one had been done that before. So online dating was going mainstream and I got really lucky that I hit that wave at the right time and I became like the online dating guy. And that was 17 years ago. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd, uh, I would think uh, that would be some fun meeting, you know, working there and meeting some people, you know, I've lost my password. Then you get to beat, you know, reach, reach into them 
and find more and help them. And uh, yeah, th- I think I would think it would be very interesting. I think my my mother always said I should have been a psychologist. I said, Mama, I don't want to go. I don't want to go back to school. I've had I've had, had enough school. She goes, but you're you're so good with people. You're so sensitive and intuitive, and you know. And, and I said, I just want to write teenage comedies that make fourteen year old boys laugh. That's all I wanted to do. And so the nice part mother, when we mothers when, when, are great, aren't they? <laughs> well, when you put all these things together, the idea that I could I could be a writer, I could talk to people, I could be myself. I don't have to work in some sort of corporate hierarchy. I can have independence and freedom. I can make a difference in people's lives. Um, I could show some personality. I really f- created a job that completely catered to who I was. And it evolved from writing people's online dating profiles to, hey, I'm getting all this attention on Match.com. What do I do now? And we would go in there and I'd help them to flirt. This is working. What do I do now? And so... I from, went from online dating profiles to online dating to dating to relationships. And then 2010, I realized 80% of the people who were coming to me were the same kind of person. Smart, strong, successful women who had everything but the guy. Very, only 20% of my clients were men. And I didn't solicit that. That's just what happened. Men need help. They just don't ask for it. I, so I that's up, right. So I ended up rebranding and focusing my energies on helping women understand men and make better relationship choices. And uh, in 2016, I created a course called Love You that that walks women through a six-month process of going from confidence to commitment, and that's been that's been my journey. And during that journey, I went on 300 dates. <laughs> there you go. Talk about perseverance. I always wanted to get married. I always wanted to have a family, and I didn't have really good radar for what was a good fit for my life. And it took a lot of trial and error and failure. And I figured out from coaching other people what I was doing wrong. So there's these parallel failure journeys, both in my love life and my career, which is what makes me really passionate about being here with you today. So you were learning failure one way that you experienced it, but then you were learning failure from other people and teaching them how to get out of it. Well, I'm thinking about it. Everybody gives advice that doesn't, they don't necessarily follow. It's, 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 it's much far easier to be objective about someone else's problems and steer them in the right direction. That's right. That's right. So I discovered I was giving what I thought was relatively sound advice to other women that would work. But I was a hypocrite. I wasn't actually following the advice I was giving. And yeah, I, tell, me, I, would say I tell people I'm giving you my two cents worth. I say, but with inflation, it's a nickel's worth now, but it's still only worth <laughs> Still only worth two cents. Right. So so I, I recognized my own hypocrisy that I wasn't walking the walk. And when that kind of clicked, everything kind of came together and my life just turned around like that. It was it was a with within a couple of years, I I had two books in stores, I had a wife, I bought a house, I had two kids. I mean, everything happened between 35 and 40. There you go. And uh that was the first uh, book. Yeah, there's a first book there you just mentioned i can't believe i'm buying this book that's a great title <laughs> common sense guide to successful internet dating and so yeah dating has definitely changed uh i've tried to dip my toe into the the app and dating internet thing and i don't know i'm still hesitant i don't know why i guess you hear too many of that catfishing stuff 
if it's something you want to talk about, I'm, I'm glad to talk about it with you. It depends on how personal you want to get. No, wait, no, no, no. We'll, we'll talk, get this on off, off the air. I don't want, okay. I don't know if I want to put my dirty laundry out there for people. <laughs> that, that's exactly why people listen. There, oh, there you go. That's right. So, all right. So hopping in, helping other people, you're realizing what, uh, what you needed to be doing as well. And uh, yeah, your life is finally boomed. I mean, it just hopped on. I can do my John Madden that just passed away. Boom. Your life right. just popped on out there and uh, being successful and everything. And so now you've learned, you've got this niche that you can help a lot of people. And so what would be a couple of your good advice for people that's like me? Again, I've dipped my toe and been hesitant, hadn't been successful uh, in that. Uh, maybe I'm too afraid to open up because of being strangers. I don't know what it is. Um, maybe I've opened up too much and then the they didn't they didn't uh, agree with the, with what I'm saying. I mean, what what couple of advices could you give someone? Um, your your question is such an important one um, that I I ended up writing an entire book about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, it was the last book I wrote in 2014. It was called Believe in Love, and it it very much focuses on what people's limiting beliefs are, right? If you're familiar with the concept of limiting beliefs, they're beliefs that are partially true, but not totally true. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm, I might get rejected, right? Someone might judge me because I'm in a wheelchair. I might, you know, I, I might be too much for someone, right? My parents' marriage didn't end well. So I think marriage never works out. Right. All these stories that we have that we've created in the world, that have a, a measure of truth. We're not going to say that you're wrong or that you're silly or that's ridiculous. No, that, that's, that's all true. The problem is it's not the full truth. So mm -hmm. I coach women, really common limiting beliefs. Men are only after one thing. Guys don't want to commit. So many guys are creepy and they're stalkers and they're aggressive and they're pervs. Right? They just want to use you. They're only looking for younger women. Right? There's something wrong with me. The guys in my area are no good, right? So mm -hmm. these are stories that everybody has that we carry around with us. And where does it leave us? It leaves us paralyzed, probably the wrong terminology, but it leaves us stuck. Oh, yeah. Right? On home plate, never going anywhere, never really taking the action to change one's life. Because I really believe in, in social science proves that people are happier when they're in love. It's not terribly surprising. So if I can help people take action, believe that, hey, maybe some people are going to be content being alone for the rest of their lives. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. No one's judging you for it. But if you prefer to have more, aim higher. And if you, and, this, and my, my kids make fun of me. I, I told you how I'm always teaching my kids and they, they, I'm, I'm a little over the top. They, this is their impression to me because I do this all the time. If you aim here, uh -huh. And you fail, you land here. If you aim here, that's what most people do. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, maybe go to college, get a job at, you know, at the local plant and make $35,000 a year and stay in my hometown and marry the first girl that I go to bed with. And if you take that path, then th th that's the life that you're going to have. And if you, if you just aspire to more, even if you fail, you're going to fail up in some way. So that's, that's, that's the belief. Is it, it's, the risk is always worth taking. 
And that's, that was my message from Hollywood. I was a total failure. But when I was on HBO with Matt Damon, I had friends from high school calling me up and saying, dude, you're making me rethink my entire life. The chances you took because you believe that you can do more are making me think of bigger possibilities. So I just encourage everybody to think bigger. And if you fail, better to fail than to stay stuck. Yeah. What's the old saying to shoot for the moon? And if you miss, you'll land on a star. You know, I never heard. I never heard that before, but that's the exact same idea. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> I heard that before. You shoot for the moon, and if you miss, land on the stars out there. So, yeah, that, that, I, I'm at one of them that I believe you should pl- play the game of anything in life a little higher at risk. Again, if nothing else, if you don't reach what's going there, you learn something on the way up. You can use that somewhere else in in life, and then also use it to help someone else that's struggling later on. And and that's the other thing about uh, uh, rejection. Like when I wrote to you and said, I want to be on your show, I have faced so much rejection in my life that it's not that I'm immune to it. No one's immune to it. It still stings. But if I spent 10 years toiling in Hollywood and making no money, and I went out with 300 women before I met my wife, I could kind of do anything. That's right. Right. Like I, I'm a real glutton when I want to get something, I'm going to mm-hmm. push. I'm never going to fail because I didn't try hard enough. And so I could animate the people who come to me, my clients who say, ah, Evan, I went online and I wrote to a guy and he ignored me. And so I'm going to take a three month break. You're one guy ignored you. You're taking a three month break. Do you know <laughs> what men go through? So- right. So, so I, I think I think having the authority to say no, I, I've done that. You could do that too. Uh, I think that goes a long way. Let me go ahead and we'll we'll jump in a little bit about my experience. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, mine was was the a two parter here. Sure. All right. The first part, I decided I don't want to tell anybody about being disabled, uh, but I didn't want to surprise them. No, of course, back when I tried it, it wasn't the internet dating. It was the phone call, you know, they had the uh, phone thing going on. And so I would give them the positive stuff to get them interested. Here I got a doctoral degree. Well, then it was just a a teacher, coach, uh, master's degree, you know, stuff like that. Told about myself and everything. And then I got several people. We talked on the phone. And before I would meet with them, I thought it would be wrong to surprise them being in a wheelchair. And so while we're talking, then I would bring up the wheelchair. Then out of about eight people, one person would meet, would end up meeting with me. The others, they were busy. (laughs) And so, so that, you know, that, that made me jump back, you know, from, from this. And so then I thought, all right, we're going to try it again. This time I'm going to openly tell them everything about me and Hey, I'm in a wheelchair, but if you notice everything I gave, it didn't hold me back in life and just described everything. Zero response from anyone. So that is what has kept me from pushing myself on the online. And of course, back then it was again, the phone call, uh, dating thing, uh, not in, uh, internet dating at that time. So, uh, thank you for sharing that story. And, uh, I've, I, I, I've, I've heard many versions of that. I was on uh, 
the CBS early show uh, probably a dozen years ago with a male client of mine at the time. And uh, his distinguishing feature, and he was a great guy, is that he was five foot three. And when he posted his profile, it was in Pittsburgh as a five foot three man. It was crickets. He posted the same profile that I wrote for him, professional photos, really funny, witty, confident. Um, He listed himself as 5'10 in Philadelphia. And he had 60 women write to him in that first week that he went Mm -hmm. live. Um, I currently have a client who's blind. um, And she's wrestling with the exact same thing that you are. And my philosophy, philosophy, even though you you had the experience that you had, is to be upfront about it because it, it'll it'll just weed out the, the, the people right up front instead of putting in that time and then they feel like you did, did a bait and switch. Now you did the bait and switch just to get in the door. I understand why you did what you did. You want to yeah. you want you want to get you want to get an opportunity. You're not gonna get yeah. an opportunity if you tell the truth. But on the other hand, if you tell the truth up front, they know what they're getting and it's gonna take a pretty special person. It's a smaller pool of people, right? But I, and here's, here's, I actually forgot this. Um, one of my first clients was in a wheelchair. She was a prosecutor. She got, she'd gotten shot and then she made a career prosecuting people. It's like a, it's like a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And she turned to me when she was 40 years old and she's very attractive, um, but in a wheelchair, which is a challenge. And, um, we worked together for, for six months and she ended up having a baby and, the name we put on her website was Hell on Wheels. And we talked about how, how she's got great biceps and how she how she he, she always gets the best parking spots. I mean, we just owned it. Yeah. And she again, it, it, it's different than if she wasn't in a wheelchair, she would have gotten a greater response, but she got a great response because she owned what she was, she had a sense of humor about it, and was un- unapologetic about it. And so you know, not that you were asking necessarily for advice, but it would be easy to stay stuck because of that previous online dating experience. But if you understand that the rejection has nothing to do with you and doesn't, it has everything to do with them and their limitations Mm -hmm. about how they view you. I think of dating as like putting on a pair of shoes and then you put on a pair of shoes and it doesn't fit. You don't get angry at the shoe. You don't get angry at your feet. You don't give up on shoes. You just try them on. It's just, it's, it's pieces fitting together. So all the women who are not open to dating a man in a wheelchair, by definition, they're not right for you. And you don't have to feel bad about women. You don't have to be, feel bad about yourself. It's just another shoe that doesn't fit. Exactly. So. Yeah. It's not, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I love women. Okay. I still, you know, go out a date occasionally, but nothing serious has come through sure. it. But, um, I mean, which is is fine at the moment, but uh, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm like you. I, I would much prefer now, like you said, as you said, owning it, telling people up front, and that way, like I said, it does weed out who's more serious about anything uh, from there. And the first part, like I said, wasn't that I was totally lying because when we did the conversation, <clears> then <throat> that's when I opened and told them. Because I I, th- I thought it would really not be fair to them showing up at a dating area and then and they I see heard, me rolling up. And, and so and, that's why I've I told heard that them. story. I've heard that story, too. Another time I was, I was on TV and I was on because they were trying to find someone to defend people who would lie about their in their profiles. 
And I was the only person who would take the assignment. Now, no one can really say they're pro-lying, but why do people lie? Not because they're bad people. They lie because they're insecure that telling the truth would be ineffective. So a woman who's 56 says she's 54 because men are searching 45 to 55, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it makes a certain amount of sense why people do it. And so lots of people do it. I'm not recommending it. It's that people know if I tell the truth, they're not going to give me a chance. So there's no such thing as a five foot nine man because women are looking for tall guys. So guys who are five foot seven say they're five foot 10 and then they show up on a date and the woman's looking down on the top of his bald spot. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, you can understand the temptation as to why people are going to do, to, to do that. And so I, I don't, I don't really try to traffic in morality, right and wrong. If you lie, you're going to have some explaining to do. You'll have yeah. more, more, more people. You, you say you'll get eight people, but only one of them is going to show up. Right. Or you tell the truth up front. There's nothing to lie about, but it's going to be a little quieter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair about this, uh, of course, again, it was a phone phone thing, then not the Internet. And uh, to be fair about this as well, once I had the crickets because I was open up front, I only did it for that one month. I didn't continue on six months to give it, I guess, a fair opportunity. You know, it, it was just a one one time thing, and, and right. then I decided and it wasn't worth it. And, so, and so, I, so I wasn't fair about it. I should have gave it a longer term to see what would happen. So well, that that's that, you. You just answered your own question, right? I mean, if someone if someone said, "I'm moving, I'm moving to Hollywood to be a screenwriter," I'm going to give it a month. Yeah. Okay, well, go back to Kansas. I mean, you're not going to succeed in the month. That's not how how this process works. Yeah, um, yeah. You'll give it a month. Hey, buddy, just go and turn around and take save your money. <laughs> right. I mean, how many? How, I mean, how many things do? I mean, think about the amount of time that people put into other endeavors where they they have no questions about persevering. That's usually career stuff. I have women who are who are doctors who studied for you know 10, 15 years. Right. And work 60 hours a week. And I say, hey, you, you got to give me five hours a week to look for love. Five hours a week. Yeah. Working 60 hours a week for 20 years. You can't give me five hours a week for the most important thing in the world. Right. And it's, it's how people see things and how people allocate time. Because people have success in work, they could justify spending more time in it. And when people fail in love, the response is to shut down and just focus on other things. Instead of persevering. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Yeah, I say that. Yeah, that uh, it's easier to go to back to something that you've been successful at than take that rejection again. Right. So, yeah, I can understand uh, that opening yourself up uh, sure. and for more of it. Now, uh, I see that and understand that you here, you got your own podcast, Love You Podcast. And, um, I'm sure you share with other people on uh, how they can get out there in a relationship as well. Now, is your podcast a, a, a live one where people come in and talk with you uh, off and on? Is regular podcasting? Uh, how, how how do you do that? How do you do your podcast? I started it in 2016 um, and tried to go all in on it. I got a studio, two cameras set up. Um, I uh, really wanted to get picked up by like a podcast one network or something. And I had a, had a manager <coughs> and 
we got about 40,000 downloads a month, but they wouldn't take us on until we got 100,000 downloads a month. And I was like, I'm not going to get 100,000 downloads a month without someone's help. I can't pull myself up that high. Yeah. So when I couldn't write another failure, when I couldn't get sponsorship, I took a couple of years off and then I went back to it in a much more stripped down form. And it's, it's, it's more like this, instead of doing, um, you know, all the heavy lifting of what you have to do is uh, booking the guests and prepping. I, I basically do a 10, 15 minute podcast once a week where I have a you know pretty short script and I just, I just give free dating and relationship advice. Okay. Um, and so there's nothing, done, yeah, there's nothing we, wrong with that. You don't have to have guests and um, getting the, the, fir- the, fir- the first hundred episodes. I do have some, some really yeah. great, great guests. Each episode is about an hour, but the, the new ones that I do, um, it's just me sort of giving free advice, checking in with people um, every week. It's not taking calls. What what usually it comes from is when I talk to clients on the phone and I have a situation that's worth sharing, then I end up talking about it so other people can learn from the experience. Okay. And so I, I, I agree with it as well that, you know, not all my shows is me doing the interviewing someone that there's times that I take myself to do just 15, 20 minutes and just uh, move on. So there's nothing wrong with that. So, sure. all right, uh, cool. This is this is uh, awesome. What um, what uh, other advice would you give someone that's plugging along out there and, and looking for that um, loved one <coughs> that um, that's out there? That sort of depends on uh, what what phase of of relationships you're in. Um, uh, there's people Where who are there? taking there are people oh. who are taking a break, which is it sounds like how you describe okay. yourself. There are people who are actively dating. There are people in relationships. And there's different advice for people based on where they are in time, right? I was going to say, yeah, where they are in life in general. Right. Yeah. So if you're taking a break, right, I would I would say you should you're the kind of person who should read my Believe in Love program. And if you're if you're uh, actively dating online, you should do my Finding the One Online program or like so, like I'm not trying to sell anything, but like th- that's the idea. Is like th- I have mountains and mountains of advice. It just really depends on where the person's at. Yeah, so, I'm on that. Um, uh, I'm on that friends break. You remember the episode Friends? And yeah. then Ross is over. There, we were on a break. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I, I, came, I came to I came to LA because I, I was in college in 1994, and Friends came on the air, and I said that that's what I want to do. And I, I had taken my, my LSAT and I canceled my score and told my parents, I'm moving to LA. I'm going to write for friends. That's, it was, that, yeah. that was it. it. That like, that it was that time in my life that was so formative that I said, yeah. someone does that for a living. Why not me? Exactly. There you go. Exactly. Um, used to lo- uh, love watching um, Seinfeld. It was, everything was all about nothing. Supposedly is what they said. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's all about nothing. So no, no, those are my people. I'm like you. It's a, I'm like you. If uh, if if someone get paid to do it, then uh, mm-hmm. it's out there provided for someone else. Right. And and but with when there's high risk and high reward, it's not surprising that most people are going to fall short. It's a pyramid. There's very few people who choose these prestigious, lucrative careers that make it and sustain it. Mm-hmm. Right. For like for every you know you know um, name your sport name your athlete the guy who sustains a you know, t- 10, 15 year career at the top of his game or Tom Brady 
right? There's some oh, guy yeah. who is the who is the you know the, the the star quarterback at his Texas high school and the player of the year in USA Today, and he went on scholarship to some SEC school, right? And still never made a buck playing football. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's in any field out there. You've got the but, people but that's made it, and then it just <coughs> fills out for the ones well, that really don't. These, that's in every fe- every field, yeah. But especially these f- fields that we we see as either fun or prestigious or exciting. Well, yes, of course, it looks like fun to play football for a living or to be an actor or like better than pushing papers at a desk. Of course, and that's why so many people flood into it. And if so many people flood into it. Well, it's a supply-demand thing. There's there's just too many people who want the job, and so you're going to get the best of the best of the best. That's you, right. you, you, you can't, like, accidentally become a pro football player. Right? Like, yeah. It doesn't happen that way. You, you have to put in your whole life. So, um, and and that is that is just, that's the, the, the risk of when you're choosing uh, uh, those kind of careers. Um, and so it's funny, as a parent, I'm not sure if I should encourage or discourage my children from doing it. It caused so much pain for me. And at the same time, it, it was also very formative. So I don't know. Do, do you have any advice for me? I, uh, I would absolutely encourage them to go after what they think is what they want and best for. And again, if um, shoot for the moon, and then even if you miss the stars, you have all the other stars empty space that you've learned from that you can use to help other people in the future. Okay. I, I, I like that. Um, cause my, my daughter wants to be an actress. So and- you, you sure, you sure don't want to, you sure don't want to go, Oh no, throw that dream <laughs> away and go, go be a, I don't want to pick something loathed and, and offend someone, but you know, you don't want to say, no, you need to go get on the intercom say, do you want an apple pie with that? You know, no, but, not to but, say there are people doing that. They're hard workers. Sure. They, they're doing, <laughs> not saying that, but I would encourage them to, uh, but I also would encourage them um, not to say there's a time limit, but there's a time that you need to say, if it's not happening, we need to go to something different. Well, I think it's a, the, the hardest part, right? Is that exactly. There's a, exactly. There's, there's, there's a, there's there's a, a win. There's, well, there's a contradictory message, right? And so, and I'm, I'm wrestling with this as I'm, as I'm thinking, right? Yeah. I teach other people aim high, I aimed high, blah, 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 blah. But man, that was brutal. And giving up my dreams of being a screenwriter when I was 30 was the hardest thing I ever did. Mm-hmm. My whole life, it was my whole identity. It was just packing it in and saying, all right, I got a big blank slate. What am I going to do with my life now? I was dep- clinically depressed and crying and unemployed. It was a terrible, terrible time. Wouldn't, wouldn't wish wish that on anybody. And yet, how could I tell them to do anything other than what what I did? And then when it comes to cutting your losses, how do you know when it's time to walk away from Oh, exactly. Something? That's the tough, yeah. That's, right, a, from, that's what the, that friend of mine, a friend of mine, he passed away a couple years ago, but a friend of mine, he, he taught me, he taught, well, he taught me, his name was Kenny. His name is Kenny, and he taught me that we've got to in life we've got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, know <coughs> oh, when that, to that, walk that away. Friend, that friend Kenny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. So, yeah, so a friend of mine, Kenny, yeah, passed away, but <clears throat> you know when to run. So yeah, he's it's when yeah that's when we've got to take the chances, the risk, but got to 
know when it's time to cut the ties and the losses. For me, it, it, it it's was, difficult. It's very difficult. It was when I f- figured out I was getting further away from my goal than closer. As long as I was making progress mm-hmm. towards my my dream of being a, a writer, and it, it, I, I could feel it, the momentum. Uh, when I started to sort of slide back down the hill and I was getting further away, that's mm-hmm. when I knew that, um, you know, I, I had a, I had a pivot somehow. And so, um, yeah. Well, thank you. I think you pivoted in the right direction to be a successful dating coach and a dating advice, uh, relationship expert. James, so there was no such the right thing. thing. There was no such thing as a dating coach. I made up a job that didn't exist before. That's right. Now, That's right. Now there's thousands of people who do this job. Why? Because there's no qualifications. You can get off the phone and call yourself a dating coach. There we go. Hey, I'll, yeah, I, I can't do that one yet. <laughs> no, but I'm saying that, that yeah, it's the same way that you could, anybody could start a podcast. We both have podcasts. Anybody could start a podcast. Literally, anybody could go up on YouTube, call himself a dating coach, and congratulations, you're a dating coach. And so now I have a lot more competition than I used to have, but, right. but there's a proof of concept. The fact that there are people like me who are trying to help other people means that this is a viable business and it's the pie is big enough for everybody to help lots of people. There you go. Then that's the thing about the uh, areas like my speaking area I got into is the pie is still big enough that we can all get a pair, uh, piece of it uh, mm-hmm. out there because there's so much more uh, people that are out there now. So, all right, uh, Evan, man, I appreciate this going on here. Um, you've uh, learned me a thing or two here, uh, how to, uh, continue on with this thing called dating. You know, it's not, uh, it's not bad. It's just a little challenging like most things in life. And, uh, we get what we, uh, reap, we reap for what we go after. So, or uh, don't go or don't go after. Right. So, it, it's, it, it's a perfectly viable choice to not date, um, but I largely defy any single person to say with a straight face that they wouldn't be happier if they were in love. I, I agree with you there. Hey, go ahead and tell us uh, something. Uh, tell us how people can get hold of you, your website and social media, uh, your courses. Uh, go ahead and uh, <laughs> sure tell us uh, about that. Yeah. Uh, my name is Evan Marcatz, E-V-A-N-M-A-R-C-K-A-T-Z. Uh, my website's evanmarcatz.com. I've written probably a thousand articles on dating and relationships uh, in my database. I've got a couple hundred podcasts. So if you want free dating and relationship advice, uh, there's an enormous amount in my, in my website. And if you're a smart, strong, successful woman who has everything but the guy, all I have to do is go to my website, take a quiz, um, and we'll send you free dating and relationship advice. And if you are interested in joining my signature course, Love You, uh, you can fill out an application. We'll talk on the phone and figure out if you're a good fit. As far as social media, I'm I'm kind of everywhere. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and Apple Podcasts and whatever. So just Google Evan Mark Katz. You'll have a field day. And there um, you go. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just again uh, glad to be here to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart: the power of perseverance. And I appreciate you coming on again, and sharing your valuable time. And I tell people do this, do the same thing as to um, do the old Google. And that'll put you where you where you belong, on the where you're looking for. And so, and I'll, I'll take those some of those links, and I'll put in the show notes to make it easier for people to find you as well. All right, yeah, two things, you. two things we want to ask you for. The uh, we'll 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 do this first one here. We'll do the first one. Give us 
I hope you can find some. I would imagine you can. And a hilarious story of someone looking for love. A hilarious story of someone looking Something for love. Something funny where they're going, <laughs> well, I just, I didn't know. And then I tripped in a hole and there looked and there she was. And I, 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 don't, remember, I don't know. Remember, I have 300 dates that I could draw upon. Yeah. So um, I guess the question is, what kind, of, what kind of story do you want? Do you want something that's dark? Do you want something that's sexy? Do you want something I mean, like, I've got, I've got so many stories that if there were a cocktail party competition, I could usually win. Who's got the, the craziest dates? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, maybe we'll just save that for another venture when we come back and we'll narrow it down then. Here's the last thing. Like, you know, to hurt people hurting and struggling, you know, especially in the dating area. If you give them one piece of advice to help them get through, what, what would you tell them? Contrary to what everybody has ever told you, good relationships are easy. The relationships take work thing that everybody's told you. Bad relationships take a lot of work. Good relationships are fundamentally easy. Think of all the good relationships you have in your life. Think of the seamless, effortless, fun, nurturing relationships that you have. Your marriage should be 90% easy and 10% negotiable. If your relationship is too much work, go find yourself another relationship. There you go. Good deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I would definitely believe because I've seen growing up with some of the, you know, guys that I hung around with and then you're wondering how mom and dad still going together or staying married with all the yelling back and forth. It's a, and then, of course you always hear the same story. We stay together for the kids. Once they got old enough, then we, I'm thinking, man, life's too short to, to, to wait till they're 18 or whatever, you know, from there. So. Well, well kids absorb that. P -p -p kids exactly. absorb, they think, Oh, this is what's normal in relationships and parents who don't talk and fight and threaten to break up with each other. And um, yeah, I, I, yeah, we're, if, we're if, the, if, think they're, well, so we're the think they're, they're staying together for the kids. Like I said, they're learning. This is what the relationship is supposed to be like. Right. And so, so yeah, my, my, my philosophy is good relationships are easy and you should hold out for an easy relationship. There you go. Amen, brother. All right. Thank you, uh, Mark, again for your, uh, Mark. Uh, yeah, Mark, Evan, Amen. Mark, Evan, Mark, uh, cats. Thank you again for coming in and appreciate everything. And I would like to, uh, you know, get back with you in a couple more months and maybe we'll do, uh, talk a little bit more about this and go uh, from there. My, my pleasure entirely. And I'll, I'll tell you that good dating story now. Oh, you got one now? Oh, I, I got oh, another. I, I was... <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll hold off to the next time. All right, very good. And then we'll, we'll go from there. So, all right, I appreciate it. And everybody else, say, share to someone you know that needs some good dating tips and let them come uh, hunt Evan down uh, to get some advice and everything and go through his courses. All right. Thank you, everybody, for coming in. Be sure to share us out to someone you know that could use some encouragement, some hope uh, to keep to sustain a better and happier life. I'm Dr. James Perdue, the professor of perseverance. Do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. 
visit the website at professorofperseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.